3: Light the tower, your daily look around the world
0: of sports, with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns Craig Way,
3: Say to
0: this one. and Horns twenty four seven insider Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Beautiful, sunny Tuesday morning to you. And welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019 AM, 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at HornFM.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to be back in town, if only for a couple of days. But glad to be back in town. Glad to be back with you. It was a wonderful trip to South Florida, but. Uh, now, it's getting ready for South Florida to Northern California. That'll be the case for the Longhorn baseball team. But a lot of things to get to on the program this morning. My co-host, Jeff Howe, will be along shortly. Our producer, our man behind the glass, is none other than Cameron Parker. How you doing today?
2: My head is on a swivel right now, yeah. Greg. Yeah? Do tell. Living the PJ Tour. <laughs> Merging. I... Everyone, everyone is shocked by this. I mean, even PGA Tour players didn't know this until this morning when they woke up and had a memo in their inbox. Hello. Oh, by the way, we've merged. Wow. Yeah,
0: I thought about you when I heard the, the breaking news come down this morning. If folks didn't hear about it. Uh, PGA Tour announcing they're going to merge with Live Golf. So um, all of the acrimony and all of that other kind of stuff, at least between the two sides, mm-hmm. we'll see now. With regard to those who are involved in terms of the players and things like that, remains to be said. I mean, you have been out front from the outset. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Really down on and anti live. Correct.
2: Anti just the. I I like the the format. I'm anti Phil and Poulter and what those guys have been spewing mm-hmm. since they joined. I understand why you joined. Varner and Kepka and DJ saying, we just want to play less golf and make more money. I understand it. It's a business decision. Good for you. But when, when Phil Mickelson gets on his his soapbox and says, oh, we're trying to grow the game. And no, you're just trying to make up for all the money you lost gambling. But in the end, Phil Mickelson, he won with, with this merger. Greg Norman, they won. And Jay Monahan honestly looks like a fool after saying all these anti-live things and how could they play for Saudi Arabia, this and that. Well, now the PIF, the the fund in Saudi Arabia that basically Mm -hmm. funded Live Golf is now going to be a premier sponsor and is going to help fund the PGA Tour. So all of this jibber-jabber just for nothing, Craig, because at at the end of the day, it was all just about money.
0: So do you feel a little – what is it Rod Babers likes to say, and and Jeff has adopted that, Uh, uh, what is it, Uh, bamboozled – uh Led astray, uh no. run about that whole bit, uh horns swoggled. Do you do you feel uh a little bit um uh deceived by no, all of it?
2: I don't think so. I think Monaghan made a huge mistake in not merging with the Saudi Arabia Tour or even the Premier Golf League, which was the original Live Tour that was ended up just becoming the Live Golf Tour. He should have worked with them from the beginning because it just created all this not, all this drama really for no reason, and he's the one that's going to have to you know pay for it at the end of the day. Because golf needed needed a, a switch up, Craig. There needed to be some changes to it. You cannot just have these monotonous tournaments every single week, four days a week. I mean, it, there's there's a time and place for it. You have the major championships, you have the elevated events. That's fine. But there's so many events that you're playing, especially after the FedEx Cup championship, where the next week your season already starts again. It's just, it's not good for golf. It's not good for a following. I, I like the idea of team golf. It's something new. Maybe it's not for everybody, but there needed to be there needed to be some some changes in when when Liv started up. Monaghan was so anti Liv and I I don't know what his reasoning was. It wasn't about, you know, the, the moral part of it, obviously, because now he's cooperating with the, uh, the PIF fund. So, yeah,
0: yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, that's certainly one of the topics that we, uh, definitely can get into, uh, also, uh, among the, uh, the topics, clearly we'll talk longboard baseball toward that end. Uh, uh, coming up a little later on this hour, it'll be on the back side of the 10 o'clock hour. Longhorn's head coach, David Pierce, will join us, and uh, he'll be kind of stepping between uh, practice and coaches' meetings and things like that. But uh, Coach Pierce is going to join us, get his thoughts on this matchup with the Stanford Cardinal uh, for the NCAA Super Regional, which has been announced as a Saturday, Sunday, and if necessary, Monday Super Regional. I don't think anybody at all was surprised by that. After all, the final game of that regional last night in Palo Alto was the final game of all of the regionals. So it was the last one. It was on the West Coast and all of that sort of stuff. So uh, the NCAA tries to accommodate that sort of thing whenever that happens. Now, there's all sorts of other um, machinations and and wrinkles and storylines that are going to – come out of um, these matchups uh, with the Super Regionals, and uh, we'll get to those, and I'm I'm going to ask uh, Coach Pierce about a couple of things, not about specifics of other teams playing. He's dialed in on his team and on the Stanford Cardinal, but uh, but the conceptual stuff that has happened with a couple of these, namely uh, the switching of a Super Regional site uh, to a team that was a number two seed and now getting to host, uh, that being TCU, uh, the... Rub that they went through uh, the NCAA in determining Tennessee and Southern Miss and how they tried to go the Solomon route and split the baby, so to speak, in terms of who's hosting and who's really hosting. So uh, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll we'll talk about those things as well. NBA Finals, how are you liking what you've seen so far?
2: It's been exciting. It's been exciting. I my prediction was. Nuggets in five. I still think Nuggets either in five or six, but it's so much fun to watch Jokic play basketball, Craig. And to see what Miami did in that fourth quarter the other night, mm-hmm. shooting 65%, 68%.
0: And it's going to take that yeah, to, to stay in the series, to make it a six or perhaps even seven-game series. They're going to have to shoot at that clip. Otherwise, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think there's just too much too much talent there for the Heat to be able to overcome against Denver.
2: Yeah, and people will say, well, Miami, they won't be able to do that again. They've been doing it the entire NBA playoffs. They were in the play-in team as the 8th seed got in, and look what they've done. So that's their recipe for success. success. And Jimmy Butler didn't even play that great. Now, there's a lot of arguments you can make for Denver. Either way, it's going to be a really fun series. Uh, Game 3, I believe, tomorrow night. Excited for it because Miami doesn't have the greatest home court advantage, so I I still expect Denver to at least take – one, not maybe even two, but it's been a great series so far, and I'm glad it wasn't wasn't just a sweep.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It it won't be that.
0: Um, may still be five, but could go longer depending on how it does. As it shifts to South Florida, and may I also say that um, it, it was fine going to Coral Gables and being around Miami, and and uh, and uh, Roger Wallace and I went after the Friday afternoon Texas victory over Louisiana. We hopped in the car and raced over to Lone Depot Park to see the Marlins game so I could cross another one off my – check it off my list of major league parks that I have yet to visit.
2: we you getting a review of that ballpark yeah. today?
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so it, we did that, and uh, and like I said, we had uh, – we actually watched game one of the finals uh, at uh, his sister and brother-in-law's house, a nice home – Uh, down in the Coral Gables area. And, of course, they, like so much of the local populace in the greater Miami area, they're all fired up, uh, you know, about the NBA Finals. So we watched game one at their house. Of course, that one wasn't very competitive. (laughs) So we watched. (laughs) Roger and I left, uh, I think, at halftime going, yeah, you know, we can get back and catch catch most of what was left. Um, I would also say that in South Florida there is a group, I didn't see a lot of them there was a group that was fired up about the Florida Panthers, but now that has been yeah. tamped down because they've been dominated by the Vegas Golden Knights in the first two games of the Stanley Cup Finals out in Vegas Now it goes uh to their arena
2: yeah it feels like maybe even that Western conference finals between the Stars and the Knights was more of a more of the matchup for the best team yeah in hockey no offense to the Florida Panthers but the Knights I mean their defense even against Dallas just looked like man how can he even score any goals against this team and Look what they've done the last couple of games, especially when the offense is on fire and the defense plays as well as they do. They're, I mean, they're pretty much unbeatable, it looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, our friend John in the bases, hey, uh, on the Specs text line, if you'd like to text in at 512-337-3776, 512-337-3776. says, Giants are home versus the Cubs here on Friday, Craig. Yeah, I know, John. I did take a note of that. <laughs> I did take note of it. I did see it. Uh that 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 is going on there. Uh so um but there's there's a lot to get hey, uh so I said we'll go to the Specs text line at three three seven three seven seven six and uh someone had texted in. Uh you can add the context to this, although I'm pretty sure I know what this is all about, Cam. Uh it's uh it's a screenshot of a Brooks Kepka tweet. Yes. Welfare check on Chambly. This is about Brandel Chambly and his comments.
2: Yeah, and and if you didn't know, he is super anti-lib. He's very yeah. adamant, outspoken. Um, him and Phil Mickelson have a long-going Twitter beef where I think they each have each other blocked on Twitter, yet they mm-hmm. will constantly sub each other. So now they're going to be back together at certain events. So uh, <laughs> for those who have been so anti-lib, I mean, maybe check and on. And anti-each other yeah. as a result of that. Check on your buddies this morning if they've been – Super against one way or the other. Yeah,
0: uh, Lee, Brandel Chamblee, Brandel Chamblee, University of Texas, yeah. obviously. Uh, Irving MacArthur Cardinal. Yeah, went to high school with my best friend uh, uh, Alex up in uh, up in Irving. With, oh wow! Say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were there just before Brian Bosworth. Wow! <laughs> just before I had friends uh, that I knew up in the area who went to high school with Brian Bosworth. Bosworth was a sophomore. I think when my younger brother graduated from Irving MacArthur. My family moved out from North Carolina right after I graduated high school. I went to UNC Wilmington uh, my freshman fall semester. But my parents had moved out in uh, August of 78. So my younger brother, um, he's about 15 months younger than me, but he's born on Christmas Day, hence the name Chris. That's why he was two grades uh, behind me because of the late birthday. So uh, he was graduating class of 80. And so I guess he would have been a freshman, at uh, Bosworth, at that time. But anyway, he, he, uh, he was there. He he kind of remembered him mm-hmm. uh, when he was when he was coming through at the time. Uh, I had other friends who graduated with him right around that time that that knew that. But uh, but my my best friend who graduated in '79 n- n- um, I knew Brandel Chambly during that time and uh, when he had played at uh, MacArthur.
2: Two all Americans right there. One in football. One yeah, in golf.
0: Yeah. The old MacArthur Cardinals yeah. there in Irving. Uh, so, anyway, there's there's a lot to get to. Uh, we do have inconceivable. Here's what we're going to do, by the way, uh, since Coach Pierce is going to join us right around 1040. So, because of that, which normally runs right up to uh, our inconceivable time, we are still going to have inconceivable. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we're going to move it. Into early into the second hour, we've done that before when we've had a guest come in. So uh, we're going to have that early in hour number two is when we'll uh, bring in Conceivable. So what we do have is uh, we have a Longhorn Longhorn notebook coming up. Uh, We do have uh, Coach Pierce with us, and um, and then we'll have um, and then after that we'll have uh, uh, Inconceivable early in hour number two. All right, I I I did want to uh, update folks and let everybody know the uh, schedule the Super Regionals. Of course, the Longhorns come off sweeping through the uh, Coral Gables Regional and uh, defeating Miami on Sunday night, uh, 10-6 to win that final game of that. There was a, um, and I completely understand why, there was a great deal of love and affection that they all had down there for Yohandi Morales, Yo-Yo Morales, uh, their third baseman. And uh, looks like a good Major League prospect and all that sort of stuff. Uh,
2: Was he the one the p announcer did the big Yeah kind of kind of went him. over okay. the top yeah. a little
0: bit on that and 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 I will say this um, the, the there are rules by which the NCA goes when you host a region that and this is going to by the way get us into this whole Southern Miss versus Tennessee thing, but there's a uh there are rules that you have to follow when you host a region. And what that means is it's basically uh, a pretty pervasive air of neutrality is what they want. They want you to be neutral in terms of the game management, the game presentation, the things that are run on your message boards, uh, you know, on the video boards, and obviously your public address announcements. So like, you know, when Bob Cole is doing regional, you know, everything, you keep it the same way – uh, when Paul Skeens was pitching for Air Force last year, the pitcher or the the uh, catcher, Paul Skeens, you know, because mm-hmm. he was also a catcher, you know, that kind of thing. And then at the same time, say, uh, you know, the the catcher, Silas, Ardwan, you know, just say it all within the same thing. <laughs> the, the Miami PA guy, whenever the, the, there was a game that did not involve Miami, like Louisiana against Texas or Louisiana against Maine, he was pretty neutral. You know, the third baseman, so-and-so. And he would also tell them, like, after a home run, uh, that is that is uh, Roccofort's third home run of the season. He would just say, but whenever Miami was playing, it was, it was, was, was on. on. Yeah. He was the home PA. Go, no, the third baseman, yo-yo, Morales. So it was like it was going on. So it kind of – even though there's supposed to be guidelines and you're supposed to follow that – you're not really surprised when you hear about that. What did kind of surprise everybody and it kind of looked at is when Morales came up in the ninth, uh, in the ninth inning, and he's walking to the plate, and the public address announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the plate for perhaps the final time is a Miami oh, Hurricane, God. Yo-Yo Morales. And of course, place goes crazy, and people are like looking at him, and um uh, and. Mm. Afterwards, it, the, the Texas dugout noticed it as well. Afterwards, because we were talking to the coach, he said, did he, "Did he really say that?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, he did, he did." And I will tell you this too: he kind of went rogue on his own because when I went into the press box to get like some final stats and stuff like that, I heard the game management people and they weren't happy at all about it. Yeah, they said, "Oh, you had to make it all about him," you know. It said, "He said that's what Senior Day is for. That's what you do Senior Day for is to play that kind of stuff up," you know. So <laughs> they weren't real happy about it, but it went on, but it. It's, you know, small potatoes. The Longhorns obviously did their part and won. So now they advance to the Super Regional, and, of course, they're going to play Stanford. And I understand, completely understand why there was so much, you know, what does they say, uh, uh, angst and uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth and all this other kind of stuff about what would happen if it's Texas against Texas A&M. I got bombarded on social media when, after Texas won Sunday night, both on my Facebook page and, and on my Twitter, uh, even though I've changed Twitter accounts now. It's at Horn Voice instead of – still found at, you? Okay. At, at Craigway one, oh, all they found me. And – <laughs> where are they playing, Craig? Yeah, yeah. And, and, Tell us what's going to happen. What's it based on? Oh, it's based on money, isn't it? Oh, it's based on record, and it? it's like it? It's like just throw any guess, any plausible possible – reason to support a specific point of view one way or another. And it was all being thrown up against the wall. And I was like, we don't know. And we truly and truly don't know. Um, I talked to UT athletic officials after the game. I talked to David Pierce after the game about all that. Nobody knew. And they said that the NCAA was playing it very close to the vest First of all, they didn't want to put themselves out there over something that might not and exactly. ultimately did yeah. not happen. So, so that's why they went completely radio silent on it. It's understandable. And so uh, there were there were cases to be made on both sides, but ultimately it was they were going to wait, and so they waited. And Stanford made it all academic or mood or meaningless, however you want to say it, whatever you want to do, because, you know, they went out and they beat A&M 7-1. They gave up the early home run to uh, Jace Lavalette. And then after that, the Stanford pitching staff really dialed in and did a tremendous job. So, you know, it was uh, it, it made it all completely moot. So there was all of that, you know, hubbub and uproar and all this about whether it was going to be there. You know, you had all sorts of creative suggestions as well. Folks are saying, playing in Waco, played in Waco, played at the Baylor Ballpark, you know. I had
2: people ask me, like, can they play at Dell Diamond? No, it's a state championship UIL State week. Tournament's
0: going on. In fact, there's UIL State Tournament action uh, tomorrow at UFCU Udish Falk yeah. Field. Now, <clears throat> it, they, Texas has gone down this road before when they were hosting a Super Regional, and the only classification that's played uh, at, uh, at Dish Falk is 4A. But the returning lifetime Longhorn hero, Adrian Allenies, brings his Sinton Pirates. Yeah. Uh, the, the the heavy favorite. Number one ranked Sinton Pirates. And defending state champs back uh, back in the Austin area there in the state tournament. So there are there's two semifinals at UFC Udish Falk Field tomorrow. The rest of the tournament's going to be contested, obviously, at Dell Diamond, as you pointed out, Cam, starting tomorrow morning. And we'll have more on that coming up next hour in our, our Flex segment. But... Uh, Texas has been used to doing that. They work around that because that's on Wednesday and then the championship's Thursday. Um, As we figured, this Super Regional was not going to start until Saturday, so it wouldn't have have mattered anyway. Uh, Longhorns would have been able to work their practice schedule around that one game on Thursday. They could practice in the morning like they're doing today. They could practice uh, in the morning uh, tomorrow before the two semifinals uh, will, will be played, which I'm, I'm sure is going to be the case, mm-hmm. so they can work it around that. Uh, and then the uh, I think the the plan is for the team to leave on Thursday, but we'll we'll uh, we'll hear about that from Coach Pierce when he joins us. So, um, the, you know, I heard all these different suggestions? Play it in Waco at the Baylor Ballpark. Um, uh, I think several people said play it in Giddings. You know, nobody said Mumford. That was gonna be my my suggestion. If you if you had to play it in a neutral site, let's all go to Mumford. Let's head over to Robertson County, right? You know? So
2: MJ from Hearn right in his backyard. He'd have
0: been all about that. You know who else would have been all about that? My co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, a proud graduate of Florence High School and a champion of small town America and small town Texas, since he grew up in the bustling metropolis of Andyce. But you know him best where's outstanding work at Horns 24-7? that's Jeff Al. you'd have been all about a super regional series of Mumford right
1: mhm uh, i talked to someone uh college coach you mentioned college football coach you mentioned taylor would maybe be making yeah. a good halfway point yeah yeah taylor like, le- ta-
0: taylor a little closer to austin mumford closer to college station lexington
1: yeah you can yeah. you can get creative
0: yeah with that. yeah media meals catered by snows
1: speaking of getting creative <sighs> um let's go ahead and take the break now. The, we, I, I want to make sure we've got time for Coach Pierce. Longhorn Notebook today is going to be, v- th- this hour anyway, very, very short. It's a quickie notebook because yep. I want to make sure we've got plenty of time for Coach Pierce.
0: Yep, yep, that's that's the plan. All right, uh, uh, coming up, we'll have the notebook. David Pierce will join us. We have Inconceivable Next Hour. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
3: Like the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe.
0: The irony is not lost to me, Cameron Parker, producer rolling back with Pink Floyd with money because this is all about the golf that you're, mm-hmm. you're throwing
2: that down with, right?
0: But wasn't it always about that?
2: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I just feel bad for Roy McIlroy who spent the last two years as the puppet for Jay Monahan and then it turns out, actually, Roy, by the way, everything you have said the last two years, ah, we're going to move away from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But,
2: you know, I, I wouldn't hurt too much for Rory. I think he's in pretty good shape. Oh, they're all, they're all fine. I mean, what, what's an extra billion, million dollars? You've today, all
1: been right? hoodwinked, hornswoggled, bamboozled.
2: That's what I was looking for. Led
1: astray, run amuck.
2: Yeah,
0: all of that kind of Shout stuff. Shout
1: out to my man, Rod Bambers. I'll see Rod here in a little bit.
0: There you go, because you got a Blitz pl- podcast to ride right around the corner to take care of, right? Yes. All right. Uh, before we get to that, obviously, we have the rest of this program, which right now includes our first hour longhorn notebook. Jeff
3: Howes, Longhorn Notebook.
0: We'll,
1: we'll make this one a quickie. Uh, the Texas men's basketball program has a new strength and conditioning coach. hasn't been officially announced yet, uh, but Corey Schlesinger. No, not the former Nebraska fullback who played for the Detroit Lions. Actually, was a teammate of Rod Babers in mm. Detroit. Nice little. Not first.
0: related that I know of to Rafe Schlesinger, the outstanding lefty out of the Miami bullpen who really, uh, you know, kept the Longhorns at bay Saturday night, but. Folks kind of forgot about that the way LBJ was pitching.
1: Yeah, over overshadowed by LBJ going doing his best. Chad Hollingsworth and going uh, a complete game. Yeah. Corey Schlesinger's coming over from the Phoenix Suns. He was most recently the head strength coach for the Phoenix Suns. He's been at Stanford as well. Uh, Got a little tip Mm -hmm. maybe from one our one of our listeners yesterday who might reside in the Bay Area Mm -hmm. that from. Uh, Gee, wonder got who to know, that could Got be. to know Corish Schlesinger from his time at Stanford. So that's the new hire, uh, you know. And Craig, strength coaches. I, I've learned this much since I've been involved in this realm. Every time a new strength coach is hired, it's, it's the best hire. You know, the old strength coach sucked. The new strength coach is awesome. It's, it's, this is <laughs> going to reinvent the wheel. It's
0: kind of almost like with head coaches going the opposite. The, yeah, oh, but the way, strength way coach
1: is. it it, it, the, it the, the really ba- does swing. The bacon it? really gets overcooked with strength coaches. <laughs> I've learned strength coach is one of those jobs that, you know, if you're doing it right, you know, it, it, there's – you're not really reinventing the wheel, you know. You're, you're kind of just doing your job the way it's supposed to be done. More often than not, strength coaches, though, tend to screw it up. Like, and, and we've, we've seen this specifically with Texas football. Um, you know, and I, I've asked guys that have played in the NFL and a you know, lifetime long runs, I said, hey, how do you guys know when you've got a good strength coach? And They said one of the ways you can tell when you've got a bad one is when everybody's suffering the same kind of in- injury. Ooh. Remember leading up to that season, the, I think it was the 2012 or maybe the 2013 season. It seemed like there were seven, eight guys dealing with groin issues. Yep,
0: I remember that. Um,
1: you know, every, if everybody's got hamstring issues, then you're doing something wrong. So we'll see what happens. Now I'll, I'll Do you say You know this. what the
0: late George Carlin said about groin injuries? You know, I don't,
1: I don't remember they this. Said, Do you know why
0: they call them groin injuries? That's the noise you make when you get hit there, groin.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. God, God bless George Carlin. Yeah. Uh, so Corey Schlesinger coming over again. Got that NBA experience with the Phoenix Suns. I'll say this, Craig, and kind of to contradict what I just said. When Texas had Todd Wright, they had unquestionably a guy who was well regarded as one of the best strength coaches in any sport in America. And you look at the work he did with LaMarcus Aldridge. Even though you know Kevin Durant still needed to bulk up by the time he got to the NBA. Look at Katie when he got to Texas and when he left, how much positive work Todd Wright had done with Kevin Durant. So he had that reputation, but uh, this is all a vacancy. Rodney Terry needed to fill with John Riley moving on and he has now filled it. So again, like I said, when everybody was complaining about transfers and assistant coaches and whatnot, they're going to field a team. They're going to, they're going to have enough scholarship guys to roll the ball out there. They're going to have enough coaches. They'll hire a strength coach and, that uh, that process is has wrapped up.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, very quickly here before we uh, get to the break, and then we'll have Coach Pierce join us, just to let everybody know this is, uh, this is the uh, super regional schedule, okay? Uh, you're either in a Friday, Saturday, and if necessary Sunday schedule. Half the games are that. The other uh, half of the super regional schedule is Saturday, Sunday, and if necessary Monday. Remember, it's best two out of three. And so here's your schedule. On Friday, it starts at uh, 11 a.m. our time, Duke, Virginia. Got a little ACC matchup there with Duke winning uh, in Conway, winning the Coastal Regional and Virginia winning at home. Then you have the unusual thing, Indiana State at TCU. And we'll talk more about that coming up, about how Indiana State uh, should have been hosting but declined to host. And we'll we'll get more into that later. Then you have the the uh, the first of two all SEC matchups: South Carolina at Florida Friday evening at six. That Indiana State TCU game, by the way, will be at four o'clock Friday afternoon. Four o'clock. Uh, South Carolina Florida at five o'clock, and then at seven o'clock. O R U at U O or Roberts at Oregon up in Eugene, and and that is on Friday. Now Saturday. Uh, Starting at 11 in the morning, you have Alabama at Wake Forest. Wake Forest, the number one overall seed. Then, that's 11 o'clock Saturday morning, Tennessee at Southern Mississippi. Uh, The the NCAA has kind of said Tennessee will be the quote-unquote host, but Southern Mississippi is is actually physically hosting the event in their ballpark. We'll have more on that coming up. Kentucky at LSU. So, uh, Kentucky – uh, is uh, and, and there's your other all-SEC matchup. That is at 2 o'clock. And then uh, at um, uh, 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, it'll be Texas and Stanford, the last one out of that. So that's the Saturday, Sunday, Monday bracket on there. All right, up next, we're going to visit with Longhorn's head coach, David Pierce, when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
3: Greg Way and Jeff Howe light the tower.
0: This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049-1019, AM 1260, here at 1040 on this Tuesday morning. Craigway, Jeff Howe with you. And uh, very pleased to have joined us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline and uh, able to step away just from otherwise a very, very busy Tuesday morning as the prep is underway for the NCAA Super Regionals. Longhorn's head coach David Pierce joins us now. But that's the way you like it. Yeah, keep you real busy this time of year. You're good with that, right?
3: Oh, man, thanks for having me, Craig. I'm definitely busy, busy and appreciative that we are still playing and, love it. I love this time of the year, June baseball, playoff baseball, college baseball, and so much excitement around the country. Being a part of the top 16, um, just having a great weekend at Coral Coral, Coral Gables. And then, geez, you're talking about the long road to Omaha. You go from Miami to uh, Northern California. So (laughs) we're we're back home right now, but yeah, we started all of our prep and pretty excited.
0: Uh, have you found over the years, because uh, you know you you've had this team in the uh, super regionals in 2018, 2021, 2022, and now 2023. You know, four super regional trips in the last five full seasons played. Obviously, since 2020 got cut short. But have you found of your time uh, that when when you get a team uh, ready for Super Regionals when you start to do that, that it's easier than ever, uh, If even if it wasn't hard in the past, but easier than ever to see your guys fired up about going to practice because they know what's at hand and they're still getting to practice here
3: in mid-June? They're just excited. I mean, I don't know if it's easier or harder. It's just something that they they. They've worked so hard for it. And I think what's so gratifying for this group is they've kind of separated from the 21-22 team where they're always in the shadows of of last year's team and and the great players we had and the exceptional super regional that we had at ECU and going to Omaha. And so now they've kind of created their own identity and have a lot of confidence. So – when we're into Miami, it's about the environment and kind of preparing for those those two or three teams. And now you kind of set your sights on what you got to be good at in California, and what do we have to do better, and uh, kind of the prep of how we want to approach their hitters. They're a very good hitting team. And then you know, just the little details that we talk about all year of making improvements this week. And this week's not really about anything more than prioritizing each individual what's going to give him the best opportunity to be successful.
1: David, uh, two-parter from me, uh, anything on, on Heston toll and David Shaw, how they're doing. And then, uh, I, I know everybody's focused on LBJ and, and Geno and what they gave you as starters, but, uh, how grateful, proud—I don't know what the right word is to use uh, to describe how you feel on what you guys got out of Charlie and Zane in the in the regional.
3: Well, first of all, David Shaw and Heston are out for the for the year. Uh, unfortunately, we lose them, but uh, again, it gives opportunity to guys to step up, and they'll be back. Um, when you look at you know the course of the season and the day-to-day grind and the adversity that every player goes through in this long of a season, at some point they're going to struggle. And for those guys who have had their struggles to be just huge parts of our success in Miami, just means that they're still all in. It means that they've never stopped working and believing in themselves. And and us as coaches have not stopped believing in them. And and that's always been something for me is – I'm going to stay with the kid, and I'm going to stay with uh, uh, players as long as they continue to work and believe in themselves and don't give up. and And it's always been a pretty good formula. So once once they are totally committed to making adjustments, then you they're in a good spot. And a lot of times, guys got to hit rock bottom before they're really ready to listen. But it's not it's not that. I think they're small, minor simple adjustments Zane started climbing up on his release point and so he got back into his natural slot and there it is and it's just it's so small that you really have to just pay attention to understand it and same thing with Charlie it's just little pieces there we feel like we could still help Tanner a little bit more and making some adjustments as he's getting back you know to becoming a guy that we can really depend on and that's That's a tough deal. I mean, people don't quite understand what he's going through to be able to come out of surgery 15 months and then be thrown into a regional championship game and expect him to be just perfect. And He's got to be better if he's going to help us win, but at the same time, we can help him along the way. Trust his
0: makeup and uh, keep working on things. You uh, you mentioned uh, Tanner and and going through that. I, I was really struck by something Garrett Gomez told uh, Roger on the post game uh, the other night. He said, "You know, it, it didn't go well for him tonight, but he was the first guy like he always is in uh, encouraging and cheering everybody else and getting really really excited about it. that." Makes it easier to to work with a young man who has to go through some bumps in the road, doesn't it? When when he's got the attitude and the approach that he's had.
3: He's just accountable. You know, he's very accountable and he's very mature. He wasn't satisfied at all, but he knew his job was done on the mound and it wasn't his best outing. But at the same time, he he was one of 27 players there fighting and clawing. And so he was going to do everything possible to help his teammates. And his encouragement is huge. Uh, I I think you see so much of individualized players and in college and professional baseball now, and when you look at our team, it's so refreshing. They're selfless, and uh, that's that's something I'm really proud of. They're 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 into it for each other, and uh, the development and success for each other. And Tanner Tenner has always been that guy, and he's kind of had this label of a superstar, and sometimes unfair to him, just because he has the potential to be so good, but. Uh, he's so mature, and he, and he he learns from his mistakes, and he wants to just keep getting better and help this team.
0: David Pierce, Longhorn's head coach, joining us here on Light the Tower on the – the, the one other thing theme that seems to come up, and and I've heard TV commentators talk about it for years. Augie used to say it a lot, and I know you probably did as well. When you get to the postseason, uh, unexpected, or at least by the large populace, unexpected contributors have to emerge. Now, you as a head coach are around it every day, so you know what the capability is uh, for guys to, to be able to step up and contribute when others perhaps weren't seeing that, those from the outside, and I, I get the feeling you felt that way all along about Jalen Flores and, and how hard Jack O'Dowd has worked to be able to step up to where he can contribute as well, and of late, Mitchell Daly, who had had come out of the starting lineup, but you were still using him as a defensive replacement. And I remember you told me that he once said, I just got to get better. I just got to work harder, and, and I know that's got to give you a great deal of pride to see guys like that contribute to the total cause.
3: No doubt, and... Honestly, we started talking about it May one, and started talking about postseason baseball and unsung heroes, and that's what happens. Um, and it it gives them hope. I mean, you have players that look up and go, you know, I'm hitting, you know, whatever I'm hitting, or my ERA is not as good, and just realizing that I can contribute and finish this thing the right way, and uh, just get my head clear and, and, and go be the best I can. So. Yeah, I mean you just start planting seeds. You just start planting seeds to these guys about what they can do as opposed to what everybody else has said that they can't do and the expectations are no greater than within within our clubhouse. I mean our our kids have great expectations to be great to also play in postseason and play at the highest level. So you know, it it is a long season and every player goes through it, but to get guys back and and feeling like they can really help this team, such as Mitch and, you know, Jalen, and we already mentioned Charlie and Zane, and, you know, you can even look at LBJ. I mean, this is a young man that is the ultimate poster child for development. I mean, this guy is a sponge, and he wants to be great, but he's just now coming into his own and we're reaping the benefits because he's just such a great teammate and, and he pays attention and he he has the ability to just repeat what he does. And I think that's key for guys as well. So it's really uh, gratifying when you know that kids have more in them and then they just keep keep working towards that and then all of a sudden their minds get clear and, you know, their confidence builds, and they have
1: success. David, you you've had you know you look back at the year Cody had in, in 2018, and the year Ivan had last year, uh, and you look at what DC's doing this year, and it's it's in that same realm. Uh, but I'm just Craig and I were talking about this the other day. I'm just continually fascinated by the fact that when we watch him, you just watch him walk around the facility or around BP every day, you wouldn't know if he's got a 38 game hitting streak or he's over his last 38. How remarkable is it just kind of how even keel he seems to be all the time?
3: Well, I think what he's learned in the last couple of years is selflessness and not that he was ever selfish, but just maturity and understanding the work. He wasn't the best worker as a baseball player day in and day out when he first got here and so he contributes that to his work and to his teammates' work. But he is the funniest guy on the team and easygoing all the time. And he plays when he plays loose, it's, that's when he's at, it's, at his best. And some guys need to create a little more of an edge. Some guys need to just really have a, re, a relaxed mentality. They all need to relax their bodies and create less tension. But. He's just a unique guy, and and he's fun, but he's so talented. I mean, I think he may be the closest to a five-tool player I've ever ever coached, to be honest with you. When you look at speed, defense, his arm strength, his arm strength's really good, but then you add it to his transfer. It makes him even better. And then, you know, he can hit the ball all over the place. He can lay a drag down, and then he can drive the ball to the ballpark. So this kid's got a lot. and He's just a fun kid to be around, and he loves his teammates. And I think because of that, he has success as well.
0: David, let me get your thoughts on Stanford. I know, obviously, you were zeroed in and watched him last night. I know you're very, very familiar with guys like Tommy Troy and Alberto Rios and Eddie Park and Brayden Montgomery, their two-way guy. Uh, I want to start with the pitching because that had to be uh, fascinating to see the way that David Esker had to manage his pitching and Quinn Matthews, all of the innings and all the pitches he threw, and probably, I'm just guessing, he probably wouldn't be available for the opener Saturday night. He's the lefty, and then you got the two righties, Matt Scott and Joey Dixon. How about your thoughts on what you saw from the Cardinal and what you know about Stanford as you get ready for this Super?
3: Well, all year everybody's known that they have a really good lineup. I remember back in 2003 when we played them, in the national championship, um, the two-out-of-three series, uh, the championship series. And we wouldn't even let our pitchers watch them hit. They were so good. So we just made them stay in the clubhouse and, and wait till the game started. And they, they're physical, but they can run. Um, they can utilize the short game when they need it. They can drive the ball the ballpark. Um, they're a well-rounded offense. And then you look at I don't know why this is going on. Then you look at their, their pitching and at times people discredit their pitching because their offense is so good, but their pitching and defense is outstanding. So this is a really talented team. Um, you, you look at Quinn Matthews and he's just this wiry kid that just competes well. and A little corkiness to him. But he goes up to four and really pitches. Um, so I think that they're just going to be a team that we're going to have to attack and make them earn everything they get. Is it, if we do that, we give our best options, our best chance of winning.
0: David, it, I mean, not that you had any say in the choice in the matter anyway, but is it is, it, is a little bit of, of a break for your guys uh, that it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a chance for everybody to catch the breath, you to get some work in at home, uh, and and then get it before you head out uh, on Thursday.
3: I think it is more so about you know the time change. We'll be in three different time changes, uh, time zones this weekend or this week. I mean, we were on uh, East Coast, we're back in Central now, and then we're going to Pacific time. So I think it's important for us to try to get out of here earlier Thursday, uh, just so we can get a little quicker acclimated to the time. Uh, Hopefully we can get a workout there Thursday afternoon and then our official workout uh, on Friday. But I do think it helps us uh, because we extended some arms as well. And just being on one side of the country to the other side, I think just the rest in between is going to be important for us.
0: I got one last thing to ask you, Dave, before we let you go. Um, And this is this unusual thing. It just seems like it's been more unusual this year than any that I can remember in college baseball with regard to regional hosting. And uh, you had the weird thing at Kentucky and the the, the the dorm situation. It was unfortunate, obviously, for West Virginia. for all three teams, uh, Ball State and Indiana there uh, with that uh, because there weren't hotel rooms available. And then we hear about TCU getting a chance. Nothing against TCU, and they may be the hottest team in the country right now. But Indiana then yesterday going, oh, by the way, we can't host because we got Special Olympics coming in and we don't have hotel rooms and all this kind of stuff. Um, Do do you see this as just a byproduct of what happens this time of year or could the D1 Baseball Committee uh, perhaps do with a little closer examination when regards come with, with regard to examining potential regional hosts when the bid process goes in and what obstacles might be out there for these teams?
3: yeah I, the committee has a tough job. Don't get me wrong, but I think when you look at so many so many teams jockeying for position two post, I think all those factors should come into play. and you should have the ability to accommodate um, fan base, especially teams, umpires. Uh, and so having that that set in place in, in the prep from the committee, could make a decision of whether uh, Indiana State hosts or they travel, even as a number one travel, uh, one seed in travel. We did that one year, 2002. We went to Arizona State as the number one seed because the University of Houston did not, um, they didn't bid. But even so, there's so many teams that qualify to host that I think all those factors need to come into play.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, to your point, Tennessee traveling the Southern Miss is the one seed for the super regional this week. So you got that. You got that exactly. going on. Uh, hey, I, I know you got to jump into meetings and things. I I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to do it. Uh, uh, thrilled to have you join us for a few minutes, and look forward to seeing you uh, uh, on Thursday when we head out all, all out to Palo Alto. Thanks so much for the time.
3: Bye, Craig Jeff. I appreciate you guys. Welcome, Horns. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, David. That's uh, David
0: Pierce, Longhorns head coach, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's something I haven't really gotten too much into, and we'll do more about that coming up after the top of the hour. Uh, but it's just bizarre uh, the the way more so. And I understand the position Indiana State was in. Uh, it's, it's not really their fault. And maybe, maybe, maybe they were expecting Arkansas to win. And they were going to have to go to Fayetteville if Arkansas had won anyway. And so just – and wanted to make sure – that they could host a regional and didn't want that to be um, jeopardized, their opportunity to host, based on the fact that they would not be able to host a super. The question is, did all that come out? And if it did, did the D1 Baseball Committee take a close look and then say, okay, well, they deserve to host a regional and we'll deal with it if, if uh, they would be in line to host a super. Well, now they're having to deal with it, you know. And TCU's happy that they're
1: yeah. <laughs> had to deal with it. I'm I'm still blown away by his comment about DC. He's as close to a five tool player as he's yeah. ever coached. You think about from his time at Rice, Sam Houston, Texas, the guys he's coached. I mean, you go back and think about guys like uh Joe Savory, Anthony Rendon. uh
0: say I think of five tool, I kinda of think about Rendon. Yeah, that.
1: I mean it's he's coached some really talented guys. And, you know, where Cody was at the end uh, of his time here, to, to say that about Dylan Campbell, that tells you how talented that kid is.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Alright, uh, coming up, uh, we have uh, much more to talk about college baseball, uh, the NBA finals, uh, the uh, apparently impending merger between uh, the PGA Tour and Live Golf, and yes, we've got Inconceivable coming up next hour as well, so you want to stay tuned for that. We're with you up till the top of the hour, top of the next hour. And then it'll be Chad and Zay. And that'll be coming up after us. But we have another hour of the program to go here. We're Light at the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital here on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.